0: To Unscripted with Alex, Megan. Thank you for coming on the show and having a chat with me today.
1: No worries. Thank you for having me.
0: So we're going to have a bit of a real discussion mm-hmm. about transition into motherhood and postnatal mental health and your lived experience with, would you say postnatal depression yeah. and yes. anxiety or? Yes, anxiety too. I think it kind of comes with it. That's how you get there
1: yeah. most of the time. But to start off with, Can you tell us a little bit about your pregnancy? Yes. So um, being pregnant for me was not easy, just physically, I guess. I was like making coffee at the time as well, so kind of like on your feet all day and that kind of thing. But um, being pregnant, I don't know. Like I think when everyone's pregnant the very first time, it just is what it is, you know. You don't really know what's happening and, you know, you have no control over your body, all that kind of stuff. Um, But my labor, I went into labor at 41 weeks and um, I was in labor for about like, I don't know, maybe six hours or something like that. And I was, well, they told me you're fully dilated. It should happen soon. Like my water hadn't broke. Nothing was happening. Um, And about two and a half hours later, I had two obstetricians and a midwife of like 35 years and the three of them had no idea what what was going on. Um so, so hang on a second.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. go back because I'm like, whoa, what happened yeah. there? First of all, six hours is very, very quick. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And what was the did you have any early signs that you were going into labour? Um, I literally went to sleep in the afternoon. I like woke up in bed and I was like, hmm, I think that was a contraction. I think that was another one and another one and another uh-huh. one. And then Ty came into the bedroom and was like think i'm in labor and he's like what (laughs) what oh my god he's like been waiting for it you know so excited and he um you know went and grabbed the bag and called my doula after a while kind of thing and um yeah like it was actually quite a fast labor i think that you know if things were meant to go the way that they go naturally then it would have been quite quick i guess you know i think six hours is six hours is a great time to you know time period anyway to be pregnant pregnant in labor all that kind of stuff yeah. it's a big build-up but it you know just didn't happen that way yeah um, so yeah
0: after six hours your your midwife was saying you're fully dilated yeah. was your
1: water still intact at that yeah point? my water did not break at all and your body wasn't wanting to bear down and push no i was just wow. like in pain and like all the labor pain was definitely like in my groin area but i was not wanting to push i couldn't i couldn't push it was just not happening but um Basically, what happened was they were like, okay, you're going to have to have an emergency caesarean. Like one of the obstetricians ran out into the waiting room and asked Ty's mum, you know, how big was Ty when he was born? I think he was over 10 pounds or something like that. And they were just like, holy shit. Like, I don't think this baby's going to be coming out naturally. Um, So I ended up having an emergency caesarean, which was, um, I, I think by the time they gave me the epidural and all that kind of stuff. I was just so happy to not actually be in pain. Yep. <laughs> I was so happy, you know. Like I was talking to the um was like, oh, so how – I knew him, you know, from back in the day. And I'm like, how have you been? What, what is your son up to? And like Peter Sadler was just like, Megan, I was going to have a little chat to you about what you're doing, but you seem quite happy. So we've already started, <laughs> like, you know, just kind of <laughs> –
0: you know, I was just in a, on on another level. You weren't anxious or anything like that no. going into
1: the room, operating room, or <laughs> whatever they call it. Like, get this baby out of Yeah, me. beautiful. I, I was so relieved that it was finally going That's to happen, I mean. to be honest. But, um, yeah, so Hinoa came out and she was 10 pounds, holy moly they were like she was in your abdomen like she hadn't even um you know what would you engage she hadn't even engaged or anything like that so they were so confused peter said listen she's never seen it before where someone's been fully dilated and the baby hasn't even been engaged it was so weird it was like your body was trying to do what was meant to do but it was not going to happen
0: that's so interesting it was but i was weird. like i don't want to come out yeah,
1: exactly <laughs> Um, so that was pretty much that. And then I think it took like five days for my milk, um, to come through. Okay. Um, and she lost like 500 grams, I think it was in those five days. So we're lucky she was such a big baby because it, it mattered obviously, but it didn't really matter. They weren't like worried about her, um, or anything like that. But, um, was she latching on well yeah. or- yeah, great. like the the midwives were like, "Oh, I'm so surprised that she's lost so much weight because you know, you're just breastfeeding like all day." Like I was just always had her on the boob. Um but it just didn't happen. So we had to do the whole um expressing and the finger feeding and all that kind of stuff. So kind of off to a bit of a rough start when it came to all of that.
0: And that is a tough, tough journey. Yeah, we did a similar thing as well where mm-hmm. you you've um you're doing every few hours wake up, mm-hmm. trying to offer the boo, putting them on there, mm-hmm. then trying to settle them down to sleep. And then you're also pumping, expressing, getting all the bottles yeah. and, and the tubes and the finger feeding oh done, doing God. that. And then you've got to quickly wash everything and yeah. get it ready for the, the
1: next feed. And you have like maybe half an hour, an hour to lay your head I down. I know. I know. It's just insane. Like, so obviously you go home and you have to do it all like just just like you said. And it's like by the time you feed them, get them settled, put them down. And then you express, you get like an hour of sleep and then they're up again. It's like, it's like you're set up to just go mad. Like it's just insane what you have to do. And the thing is, it's like your partner doesn't have a pair of boobs. He can't help out. Like all he can do is what he can do, but it doesn't mean that that baby's going to let that their dad settle them. Doesn't mean it's they're gonna be comforted with their dad. You know, all they want is the boob, like all the time. It's just full on. Um
0: did you find you were getting um anxious at that point just about maybe not having the bottles or the tubes
1: organized yeah. for the next feed or yeah, even just yeah, yeah. how many hours of sleep you were getting? I was just anxious I think I had like sleep anxiety from, you know, day dot because I think by the time I'd be like, okay, I can go to sleep now, I'd be laying in bed going Oh, God, like when's she going to wake up? Did I just hear her wake up? Oh, I think she just made noise. Like it's just you're just so um, highly wired, you know, you're just like, oh my God, like I can't relax. I can't wind down. I think everyone's different, but I'm somebody that needs, I have like a certain process of how to wind down at night. You know, even now I'm like, okay, the kids are in bed. I now need to just start my wind down, which is, you know, usually just watching TV or eating something or, you know, just anything, just sitting on the couch and just kind of unwinding going, oh, literally writing back to all my messages or like, you know, that have accumulated over the day. I'm like, oh, I've got to write back to that, 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 that. Having time, I yeah. think it is. Time to yourself yeah. and having a,
0: an extended period of time where you're not feeling like you have to quickly rush and mm-hmm. do something and quickly get
1: to sleep. Exactly. Exactly. Everyone's <laughs> like, you should just go straight to bed after you put the kids down. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, no, I <laughs> can't do that. I need time for me to just be like, right. You're a human being. Now go on Instagram and look at shoes for three hours because that's going to feel great. Just window shopping, Megan. Don't buy anything. Like you know, you've got to have those times. You know, you to do. yourself where you just can unwind, just do something for yourself. You know, I love that. Yeah.
0: Just window shop.
1: Yeah, just window shop. No buying. So
0: we've probably touched on it a little bit there, but. Um, Let's go a little bit deeper. How did you find this transition into motherhood? What what did it look like for you after those first few months?
1: You know, everyone talked about um, the love bubble that you're in with um, your baby. I don't think that I ever had that. Yep. Like, I don't think, I was just like, what is this love bubble people are talking about? Because I think from the second we kind of got home, I remember <laughs> Ty talks about this all the time with people. He's like, we got home and we're like, cool what do we do now? Like literally clueless, you know? Um, but for me, I think I was just doing my best at all times and just trying to figure out how to do everything. But I think the whole transition thing was kind of like, I didn't realize that, um, you literally do not matter. Like obviously you matter and obviously you need to look after yourself to get through the day every day but I didn't realize how extreme that was like oh my goodness it was like every single second was just about the baby the baby the baby I think with Henny I couldn't put her down like you know people would come over and be like oh she's asleep now pop her down I'm just if that was an option, I would do it. Like I could not put her down because she would wake up. So I put her down in her cot at night to sleep. But during the day, she slept on me the entire time. I'll just sit there for two hours and just let her sleep on me. Even it didn't matter if I was hungry or thirsty, if I needed to pee, it did not matter. I would just sit there and let her sleep because I thought if she's not sleeping, she's screaming. And if she's screaming, then I start going, I feel like I'm going crazy, you know, because it's just that constant noise of like, oh my God, I can't escape this. Um, so you just do what you do. But I don't even really know how to describe it, to be honest, like transitioning into motherhood. I think it just happened, you know, and I was just like, "Ugh, you know, that part of my life is over. Everything before that is is gone. But, um, you know, Ty did go away after six weeks, I think he went away for a month. Um, and I was like, go for it, babe, do it. Because, you know, he was trying to get his foot in the door of, um, you know, working away, doing the FIFO life. And, you know, someone offered him something and he was like, oh, how do you think you'd go? I was like, I'll be fine. I've got my mum. I've got your mum and dad. You know, you've got so much support around you, you think you'll be fine. So I was kind of like, just do it, you know? And I think that's kind of where um, I went from, like, being a mum to just being, like, in full survival mode, like, not even knowing where the day starts or ends and yeah do you find yourself constantly reaching for sugary foods it's no secret that eating too much sugar can wreak havoc on your gut health not only does it feed bad gut bacteria but it can also cause inflammation and damage to the gut lining Vatika Co.'s gut health protocol is here to help. Our simple four-week reset program is designed to remove triggers and unwanted microbes, supporting you through your sugar hangover and repairing the gut. So why wait? Start feeling better today with Vatika Co.'s gut health protocol. Yeah.
0: I think we're so vulnerable in those early months where at, uh, physically our bodies are trying to recover. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's probably a time that we really need to give the most attention to ourselves, but it's the time that we definitely can't. You just mm. don't even have a second to think about yourself at all. Cause like you said, you're trying to just, your focus is fully on mm. the baby. And when you are at those most vulnerable moments of your life, sometimes there's only, it might only be your partner that you feel like you can be your complete self too. Yeah. Cause obviously you do feel comfortable yeah. with your, your mum um, most likely or not yeah. everyone, but you, maybe you're not comfortable enough to be your absolute self that you are around your partner.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that as time's gone on, me and Ty have become more and more comfortable being vulnerable with each other. But even after having Hinnie, even if I was feeling all of these things, I didn't really want to talk to him about it or tell him because I didn't want him to be worried. I didn't, him, didn't want him to um, go, oh, she's not okay. Uh, also, you've been independent your entire life, so you don't want to be sitting there Going, Oh, I'm not coping. You know, this is happening and that's happening. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, it's just one of those situations where you're just trying to figure it all out. But yeah, basically, I think that's when the whole depression set in. But it was like, I didn't know it was happening. Now look back, obviously, I know, but at the time, I had no idea.
0: Yeah, I was going to say in hindsight, you probably know now what those early signs were. Looking back, what was the first sign that maybe you were
1: really starting to fall into more of a depressive state? So I think Ty had been away for about two weeks and my breast milk had dried up. Like, I just he I was just screaming all the time and she wasn't sleeping and I didn't know what was going on. Um, and I guess I just realized like, Oh my God, like my milk's dried up. Um, obviously you can tell because you can feel that your boobs aren't producing milk. Um, so basically I was like, Oh crap, like what do I do? Yeah. You just assume, okay, it's just going to be there forever and blah, blah, blah. I think it was a Saturday morning and I got a text message from my mum, and she was like, I had like a family friend event that I was meant to go to. Um, you know, are you coming? You know, everyone's kind of waiting to see you and meet the baby. And I was sitting there and I was like in my robe with my boobs out, Trying to figure out what to do. And I just had like a slap in the face of reality. And I was like, oh my God, when's the last time I showered? You know? And I hadn't showered in like eight days. I had just been, I don't even know what happened. I just, I hadn't showered in so long. And there was just like dishes everywhere and mess everywhere. And I was just thinking, now I've disappointed, you know, my family. And, I just realised, like, holy shit, like, I'm not okay. But at the same time, I was like, I'm fine. I don't need any help. I'm fine. It's all good. I'm totally fine. I wrote back, you know, um, Hinoa's not sleeping. She's not feeding. I need to go to Coles. I need to get formula and, you know, did the whole bullshit thing where I was like, oh, oh, you know, I'm really sorry. I totally forgot that it was this day, which, you know, in a sense was kind of true because I didn't know what was going on in my life or what day it was. But at the same time, it's like, I knew that that was happening that day, but I was just trying to pretend that I was all right. And I had like, you know, other stuff going on, which I did too. It's just such a weird place to be because you're like, oh my God, no one else even matters right now. But at the same time, like, you know, I'm vulnerable enough to kind of say, hey, but this is happening, but not ask for help. So I think that day I ended up going to Coles and grabbing like lactose free and like formula, you know, just like, oh, I hope this works. I literally asked, there's a lovely lady at Coles in Dunsborough called Laurie. She's very North. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I do love her. Um, But I remember walking up to her and being like, um, do you know what this is or what that is? And she was like, oh, I'm so sorry, sweetie. Like I don't, I can't remember, you know, my kids like they're teenagers now and we didn't even have any of these options, but I went to town and Got formula and, you know, um, I wouldn't really take the bottle, but I guess she just got to a certain point where she was just so hungry that she took it. She's like, okay, I'm just going to have this, I guess. And I think I I got some milk in her and then I chucked her on the boob again, but I didn't really have any milk. It was just for comfort, I think. Later on that day, my mum came over and she just walked in. She's like, is she sleeping? Is she okay? Like, what's going on? And we ended up just having like um, a big argument about – everything but I basically just handed her Hinwai and I was like, I'm gonna go have a shower, you know? And I went and had a shower and I think I was in the shower just kind of having a little cry and I think I just had my I just remember having like my my head in my hands and just being like what the fuck? you know, like what is happening? It was like a, just a mess on a mess on a mess on a mess and a mess. It was just, I was just so, I just didn't even, there was nothing in my life that was straight. You know, um, if you've got like um, a clean lounge room and a clean kitchen, you can get through the day. It was like, there was nothing in my house that was okay. I wasn't okay. My baby wasn't okay. And then that one person that, you know, is kind of there for you, you're having an argument with, and it's just a mess, you know? Um, but I came out and I said to, you know, I'm really sorry. I'm trying to do the best that I can do. And she just said, don't even apologize, you know, like um, I shouldn't have even gotten upset with you basically about this whole thing. I think we both just realized that we were arguing about stuff that doesn't matter. And obviously she saw the state of my house and knew that like I wasn't okay.
0: Your partner has now come back and yes. you've got a trip to go up to Ningaloo. How did that go with a four month old? <laughs> not good.
1: <laughs> it was not good. I think our whole um, um, outlook actually was, we'll just drive up, And, um, you know, if we have to stop, we will, you know, very optimistic and naive and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it was not good. I would not recommend it. Um, I didn't know what sleep progression was at this point. I had no idea, never heard of it. So, um, basically everything went to shit. There was no routine. There was no groove. There was no nothing. There was just nothing. Um, so we were at Nalu and, um, Yeah, so you've got like you kind of got you got showers and stuff up there, but no power or anything like that. You know, it's very you know remote, but nice, love it. Um, but yeah, basically, um, what happened was because of the sleep progression, I kind of remember that she wanted more comfort all the time, so she wanted the boob all the time. So, with this medication, I could do all of the feeds, and then at night time, like during the day, sorry, I could do all the feeds, and then at night time, I would basically give her a bottle and that would kind of get her to sleep for quite a few hours you know um, that was not happening she would not take the bottle at all did not want it and then as we set off and we got to Xmouth I remember um, calling you know Duchess Med and asking to send me a script up to Xmouth for like more medication so produced milk again' We're in Xmouth and Xmouth is kind of like a um, a really happy place for me in Thai, I think, because when we had such a rough, um, you know, drive up and obviously um, being at Nalu and, having not enough breast milk and all that kind of stuff and just like the postnatal depression, just being like, Hey, and me being like, what's up? Like it was horrible. It was horrible. You could just, I could just feel it setting in because it, you get to a certain, I I got to a certain point where I was like, okay, I literally have nothing left. Like I have nothing left. It's like everything positive left my body. It was just such a clueless time. And I think I just looking back and I was still to this day, I think, you know, I just blame myself so much all the time and just, it's my fault. You know, my body cannot produce milk. It's my fault. You have all these underlying thoughts that you don't realize are there. And also you don't realize that they don't serve you. Like nothing is your fault, you know, nothing's your fault with stuff like that, you know. But yeah, I think the drive home was a nightmare as well. But I remember getting home and just being so thankful and just being like, oh, my gosh, and slash, let's never, ever do that again, ever, you know. I don't think we went on a holiday until Hini was like two and a half after that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was just so
0: gnarly, we far yeah. out. Travelling with a baby is definitely a different um, level of stress. We did a trip um, over to Adelaide as well when our bubs was, I think, six or seven months mm-hmm. old. And Did you fly or did you drive? Yeah, no, we flew. Yeah. but. And he was good, but it was still the whole time. I yeah. was so stressed about yeah. it. So I was like, Oh, don't don't cry like being oh, one of those loud know, babies. The I whole know. thing it was constant stress. It's not like going and enjoying yourself. I know. But once you got home I know that you have when we spoke about this early, you had described to me um this difference between when your partner was home, you were a certain way, mm-hmm. and when he left, you described it as going into back into yes your your hole or your cave. Yes. Can you describe for us a little bit about um
1: what your what was happening with your thoughts around this time? um, so let's just say because basically, like um by the time I got help you know Hinnie was a certain age like 2 and 2 and a 2 and a bit I think she's about 2. So basically from you know let's say from 4 months to 2 years old like I want to put a blanket over that because my point is is that um things were the same for so long so basically what was happening is obviously my depression was getting worse and I didn't even know I was depressed at this point. But um, the thing is that when Ty was home, it was awesome because every single morning we would get up, we would get a coffee and we'd go for a beach walk and, you know, obviously the bub, the dog, um, and we that's how we would start our day every single day. So some routine. Yeah, day. yes. And it, when Ty was home, I had confidence. When Ty was home, um, it was like he was, he was my shield. Do you know what I mean? Like if we were together people weren't walking up to me being like, hi, how are you? How's the baby? Like all the attention wasn't on me. It was more, Hey guys, what are you guys up to today? Blah, blah, blah. Like, so when he was home, I felt safe. I felt confident. I could go out and do my thing. As soon as he left, it was like, I could literally just reel myself back in, like pack myself away and just do as least as possible. Basically, you know, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't, leave the house for like five days or whatever. And then I'd have to leave the house to go and get groceries. And the anxiety of literally just putting clothes on and all that kind of stuff to go out into town was just so hard. Like I, I remember- being like, you know, if I go to town, like everyone's going to be looking at me. Everyone's going to be judging me. Um, everyone's going to look at me and think she's not coping. Like if Hinwai had a tantrum or if she was crying or anything like that, I was so good at pretending, you know, I was like, you know, whatever babies, ha ha ha. Like, you know, haven't you seen a tantrum before? (laughs) You know, laugh. I would just laugh it off. It's all good. Don't worry about it. But on the inside, I was just like terrified, you know, just I guess I was so scared that people would look at me and think, oh, she's not coping, you know, which is exactly what I was thinking about myself. I'm not coping. I'm not okay. All those kinds of things. So I would do everything that I could possibly do. The opposite, you know, like, oh, let's make sure that everyone knows that I'm okay, that I'm totally coping and that I'm really confident and all that kind of stuff. So what I was basically doing was digging my own hole. Then Ty would come home and then I'd be okay again. And And then he'd leave and then I would go straight back into my cave again and pretending, oh, my God, pretending is the most exhausting fucking thing I've ever done in my entire life. There is nothing worse. Oh, my God, I hate it. Like I hate pretending. Even if I'm not having a good day and I've got to go somewhere, it annoys me. You know, I'm like, I don't want to have to go there and have to pretend. So when I get there, if, you know, I'm around people I can talk to, I'll just be like, oh, you know, I haven't had the best couple of days or week or whatever. Um, just to kind of get it off my chest and get it out there, you know, I'm not going to be like, you know, bubbly Megan today. Like I'm just going to be chilling because I just can't be bothered pretending anymore because it's so poisonous. Like I just, that's why I wouldn't leave the house because pretending was exhausting you know? So that's basically what was happening for just like a year and a half to two years of just me going back and forth of like feeling secure, pretending, feeling secure, pretending. And Ty didn't know about any of this. Obviously you could tell that I wasn't myself. I don't know. I guess I shut him out too, in a sense, you know, like, I guess he just thought, well, this is what she's like now. And I just kind of was like, okay, well, I guess this is just who I am now, which, you know, is wasn't true, I guess.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously you go through a change and becoming a mother. Yeah. Both of you thinking, oh, this is what
1: being a mum is, but
0: (laughs) it's not. (laughs) You had mentioned about having some sleep anxiety. Were you getting racing thoughts or what was sort of happening around nighttime?
1: Yes. So that was the, that was the thing that kind of made me go like, holy, should I need help? At night, I would kind of avoid going to sleep, I guess, but I would go to sleep at night and um, it was like a train that would just take off and I had no control over it. And it was like it would just go to very, 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 very dark places. I would basically be thinking about stuff that people had said to me when I was a teenager, things that had happened to me, how much I hated that person for making me feel that way. I wish I could go back in time and I wish I could do this and say this and say that. Um, The time that my mum did this or Ty did this, um, you know, I basically, I was literally... At nighttime when I went to bed, I was living in the past. And then during the day, I was living in the future. Like, I was scared all the time during the day because all this stuff could happen. And at nighttime, I was angry about the past and all the stuff that had happened. Like, I was not present at all. Um, but, yeah, those, those negative thoughts were just terrifyingly like negative. Like I just, I had no control over it. And I would be telling myself, stop Megan, stop Megan, stop Megan. I think that everyone, um, in life can kind of be like, Oi, cut it out. You're being really negative. You know, it's not as bad as what you think, you know, you can kind of stop yourself or most of the time you can, but I think that it had gotten to a point where it's like me as a person had taken a back step where I was literally watching myself take off in a negative way and have no control over it. And it was like the other part of me was taking a back seat and just sitting down and just basically fucking crying and just being so terrified, like someone else had taken over. You know, I had no control. Like I literally had zero control over it. And it was terrifying because it would just go for hours and hours and hours, or I'd finally get to sleep. And then I'd wake up in the middle of the night like two or three and it would just happen again and it was just happening every single time I go to sleep and then it got to a point of where it had been like an entire year where I was going to sleep at night and not wanting to wake up in the morning because I just I just didn't want to do it all over again and I think being going to sleep every night like that you're just like I just I just have don't have any energy I don't have the energy to pretend I don't have the energy um to live my life like this anymore and I don't want to go to sleep every single night hating everything and everybody like what what is wrong with me I just got to a place where I think like I was a little bit psychotic or something you know it was not normal it was bad (laughs) yeah it doesn't sound very nice at all when when was the point that you thought that was I need help I think that was just after Henny turned two Tired, come home from work um and I said to him like, you know, I think that I have postnatal depression, but I felt really stupid because, you know, when you think of postnatal depression, you think of it being something that um, someone goes through after their baby's born and it's, you know, linked to baby blues or something like that. So it was really hard. It was like, how am I going to basically convince people that I have postnatal depression with a two a year old? That sounds ridiculous. And what do you mean you've postnatal a lot of depression? I'm telling myself all this stuff because you know how could you've been telling everybody that you've been okay, and that you know you've been pretending for so long. How are people even going to believe you? So I told Tyne, He kind of was like, you know, the first thing he asked me was like, like what what's so depressing, you know, like about your life? Like what makes you feel that way? But the thing is that there's nothing depressing about my life. It, I was already that ship had literally sailed like a long, long time ago. And I didn't even know it had left. Do you know what I mean? I was like, Oh, I don't know how to answer that question. Um, he didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to do. You know, no one does, but, um, I told him, I guess, you know, got that out. And then I think I tried to explain to him the way that I was feeling, um, over that week that he was home and he, he was really hard for him to understand. I think when he went away, I think I told the, the next week I told his mum, like we were just going for a walk and I said to her, you know, I think, I think that I've been, um, feeling really depressed and I think my postnatal depression and she was really sweet and, um, supportive and, you know, she, she said, you know, I was exactly the same. I used to feel like that as well, you know, cause she had three kids and, um, you know, her partner, Steve, he worked away. So she, that's why I told her she'll like, she'll get it, you know, um, But she's like, I don't think you're depressed, though. Like, I think, you know, you're just having a couple of bad days or a week or something like that. I'm just thinking, oh, my God, no one's listening to me. Like, what no one had realised is that I go to sleep at night like this and then, you know, I I haven't wanted to wake up for a year, which no one should know because I haven't told them. But you can't expect people to know what you're going through if you haven't told them about it. And then the next thing I did, I think when Ty came home, I went to the doctor. And, you know, I said to the doctor, you know, I think I've got postnatal depression and they kind of just like looked to me like, oh, okay, like chit-chat, chit-chat, what do you do during the day? And, you know, kind of told them, um, they said, okay, you know, pass me a postnatal depression um, sheet, you know, where you answer all these questions and then they had them all out and out of 10, you know, obviously if it's high, you've got it. If it's low, you're not, too- whatever, you know, it's that kind of thing. So I filled it out. They literally look at, looked at it and went, oh, well, yes, you've definitely got postnatal depression gosh, that's very high. Um, and then they just turned to their computer and just sort of typing away and was like, well, the first thing you need to do is go on antidepressants and go to a therapist. And I'm sitting there just going, are you fucking kidding me, mate? <laughs> like-
0: this is the first time that anyone's actually, first of all, yeah. acknowledged and yeah. said that I've got depression. Yes. So that's yes. a pretty
1: big um, yeah. thing to for you to The uh, courage to even anyone to go to a doctor and say that. I think... You know, you people who don't know don't know me, or people who do know me, like I am a sensitive, emotional person. You know, like um, I care about people and all that kind of stuff. So for someone to just be so cold and so methodical with me, and just be like da 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 da, like that is not good for me when I'm vulnerable. You know, and, and all the like courage it took to do that, I just instantly shut down again. I was like, this is fucked. Mm. You know, like I cannot believe someone just shoved a piece of paper in front of me, did this, which is great. They're doing their job, you know, regards to them and they probably deal with it all the time or whatever, but this was not right for me. And also it's the first time you've ever dealt with it.
0: So they might've dealt with it a lot of times. You've never had. So there needs to be a place of explaining what this means and what
1: options are available and and just listening for a little bit, maybe. So um, when she said, um, you know, um, antidepressants, I was like, oh, I don't want to go on those. And she's like, well, if you're not going to go on those, then you've got to do, you know, X, Y, Z, which, yep, I do need to do all those things. But um, basically, I went to one therapy session and um, it was too much all at once. I think that I'd kind of started to poke my head out of the hole of like, you know, help Um, and Going to therapy was not good for me. Just it was just too much, you know. I think by the time you get to, you get to thirty or whatever, you've been through a bit, you know. And it's like when you go to a therapist, they're like, "Why are you here? Where do you want to start?" You know? it's kind of one of those things. And um, she was great, you know. She was a lovely lady, and um, she definitely opened my eyes up to a few things. But I didn't go back because it just was It was too much for me um, at the time. But then the miracle happened. I call her the miracle. Um, Miranda Yates was a friend of mine from back in the day. You know, we used to hang out and, you know, on a Sunday or whatever with all of our mates. And she's just a, a gorgeous person. But um, she's an acupuncturist in Dunsborough. And a friend of mine years ago actually told me that they went to her and they just, like, cried. And I was like, really? Oh, yeah, she hit me in a couple points, hey, and I just released all this emotion. And I was like, what the hell? I you didn't know acupuncture could do that. So after I've been all through through all this stuff so far, I'm kind of like, okay, well, I'll just try it. At least I know her, you know, kind of sort of like at least I know her, have a little chat to her. Um, so I went to her and um, I told her everything. And she's known me in the past as well. So she she could see when I walked in that like she didn't know this person you know, this version of me. So, um, I sat down and I told her everything. And it was like the very first time that anybody had actually heard me acknowledge me and like took me seriously, like actually took me seriously. Um, and it was just amazing. It was just so good to just have someone who was there for me, but also educated as well. So basically she, laid me down on the acupuncture table. And she, first of all, she was like, Oh my God, like your gut is really inflamed and your pulse is very slow. Like your, your energy levels are not good. You know? Um, then she asked me about my cycle, about my period. I didn't actually have a period for 10 months after, um, Hini was born. So, you know, you, you have your bleed afterwards. And then for 10 months after that, I didn't have my period. So like, That's not good, (laughs) you know. That's never, never a good thing. Um, So we chatted about that, and then she basically helped me big time. You know, she's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a hormone um, balance on you. You know, I'm gonna try and get everything going, get your energy levels up, and you need to be on like a keto diet, like for three months, because your gut is so inflamed." And the thing is, is that I wasn't eating a lot of bad food, but I I guess when you're a mum, you just kind of eat when you can. But gotten to the point where I guess you would say I just I was just comfort eating and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I was having drinks every now and then and stuff, but not like getting, you know, recklessly drunk. But obviously alcohol is like, you know, it's an inflammatory, you know, so there's all that kind of stuff happening. Um Did so, you find doing – because keto is not an easy no, diet to follow. no.
0: It's With not. everything that you're already trying to just survive, yeah. did, you, did you find that easy or hard to do the keto?
1: I found it interesting because I think I'd always, I think I was like, I'd eat fish and chicken, but not really red meat. Like I wasn't really a, mm-hmm. a red meat person. Um, and, you know, I love me some bread and some oats. Porridge was life. So that wasn't good for me. Um, but I basically, I was just at a point where I was like, okay, first of all, someone's listened to me and I'm getting help that's you know, if she told told me that I needed to do something, I was just at that point in my life where I needed to do it and I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. I I couldn't live like this anymore. Like I was literally at breaking point. I was like, oh, I need to do something again. I'm gonna do it and it's gonna be epic. Like I'm gonna, you know, sort my shit out basically. Um so doing keto for me, I think after like two weeks, oh my God, like I had energy again, which I hadn't had for years. And probably even before I was pregnant, I think, you know, um, it was just amazing. I was like, oh my God, I have energy. Um, on top of that, I, you know, I guess you, I would start to, I wasn't like losing weight, but I wasn't so inflamed anymore. I wasn't so bloated anymore. I felt lighter on my feet, all those kinds of things. And I just started feeling more human again. And if I did feel emotional or anything like that, um, I was able to deal with it better because it was kind of like the light was switched back on. Like, yo, like you're not feeling very good. You're feeling really emotional. Um, validate that don't just sit here and go, Oh, I'm emotional. I feel like crap. Like validate it. Why do you feel like this? You know? So I would be like, okay, what have I been through? What's been happening where before it was just like, this is who you are. It's not going to change. You know, those kinds of negative things where now it's turning it back and being like, okay, you're down because this has happened. This has happened. Blah, 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 blah. You're okay you're allowed to feel like that. You know, I was actually validating my my feelings for once and not just kind of blaming myself or just being like, oh, she'll be right, mate, you'll get through it. That's not going to work anymore, you know? And so had she done the acupuncture,
0: how did you feel with that? Because I know Uh, this
1: can be such an amazing treatment for so many people. So I actually went to her yesterday and we're having a laugh about the very first time that I actually went to her. I couldn't feel a thing, okay? Like she was putting needles all in my legs, my arms and on my stomach and one in like my forehead I couldn't feel anything not one of them that's how numb numb. I was numb like this is what I'm saying when she was like you got to do this 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 I was like I'll do anything to feel anything again like it was not good um so, yeah, like um, I felt nothing. And then the next time I went back, so I was going every month and I went back every time I was ovulating because so she said what was happening with um, my periods and my cycle. So you get your period and then for like a week after that, you're pretty good. And then when I started to ovulate was when I would start to basically PMS. So I was having like those really angry, irritated, uh feelings that you have, um, but they were – so much worse because they were going for weeks, you know, and then I would have like a short period of being happy. And then I'd have like three weeks of being angry just the whole time. So going to her, she was regulating my hormones. And on top of that, oh my God, did not know this at till I was like bloody what, 30 or something like that. Um, um, healthy gut, healthy mind. Hello, everybody. You need to know that. Yes. Like healthy gut, healthy mind. Why are we not taught that in hospital when you leave? Like, hello, we need to be told these things. Like, it's so important. I did not know that. So she's like, carbs and sugar, um, you know, they're not good for your gut because X, Y, Z. She told me everything, explained it all. She's like, with keto, um, you know, it's good for your gut for X, Y, Z. Like, she told me the differences and why. I'm not going to go into it because I'm not a doctor, I don't know, that, that kind of stuff. Um, but basically because my gut was happy and I was being able to digest things, first of all, I can sleep at night. Second of all, healthy mind, like my mental health, like I was clear, I could think, I could, you know, process my emotions properly like a normal human being instead of just being a mess. It was just amazing, like the differences that um, it made in my life. But she was she was my person. Like she was that one person that listened to me, took me seriously and helped me. And everyone can find a person. It's just about finding the right person. And the right person might be a friend or a mother-in-law or your partner or a doctor. It could be anybody, you know. It's just you've just got to reach out and actually find that person for you. And once you find that person, you can be open and honest with them all the time. I actually went to, like I said, I saw Miranda yesterday and I just told her what had been going down for the last month. She just listens and she's like the first person that I I don't feel rushed with. You know, I've been to a lot of people in the past, even like, um, you know, physios or osteos or anything like that and you'll be chatting to them about more your physical health but I feel like with Miranda I can talk to her about like my emotional and my mental health because it's all linked but I guess she was just the first person to make me realise that. Well, that's, yeah,
0: exactly the thing of looking at and, and why practitioners like Miranda are so amazing because it's looking at the system as a whole. Yeah. And we do hold emotions in our body yes. physically. So um, it's very common. And I'm sure a lot of osteos and physios and that do see this yeah. when you put, um, you know, a needle or push a point that yeah. it can release so yes. much tension and emotion. And the gut 100% does link with the mind. It's a two way communication system that's going on. We have, bugs in our tummy that can send signals to the brain to produce certain hormones to feel a certain way. Exactly. But I think the tricky thing is when you first have your baby and you're having lots of nights where you're not sleeping, Mm -hmm. and that can last for a long time, um, you generally crave quick Yes, easy sugars yes. Um, and carbs. Yes. So there is a period of time where having carbs, healthy carbs, mm-hmm. are good for you. Yeah, you know those first few weeks. Go eat that chocolate. <laughs> My think- God, that might be the only thing that's getting you through <laughs> oh, the night. But um, definitely, what I what I did for myself and and what I work with with people as well is when you get to a certain point, we can then look at implementing a program to correct the gut, mm-hmm. and you know within yourself often when that time is when you're like, yeah. okay, so now's the time where I can look at maybe cleaning out some of mm-hmm. those unwanted gut bugs and start giving the gut a little bit of help to yeah. improve things and um, definitely energy improvement and all of that. Is- yes.
1: I love that you know all about that stuff. It's so interesting because no, a lot of people don't know about it at all. Like, there's mums everywhere that, because everyone's like, oh, you've got to go on a diet because you've had a baby and you've put baby weight on. It's not even about that. It's not about that at all, and it should never be about that because it doesn't matter what, what weight you put on when you have a baby. That weight was there for your body to protect that child. It's like caveman shit, you know? That's just what your body does. It's That's been there that. for bloody like years. That is caveman shit. caveman <laughs> <laughs> shit. Um. But, you know, it's actually, it shouldn't be about diet to lose weight. It should be about diet for sleep, energy, healthy mind, all that kind of stuff.
0: Nourishing the body.
1: Nourishing your body.
0: So you eventually found the person that was your person and Mm -hmm. helped you Mm -hmm. get the help that you needed. So what is the advice that you would give to a partner who might, or a couple that
1: might be going through a similar thing? Cool. So first of all, take that person seriously. If you're if your wife or your partner, even, even if they don't seem like themselves, just be supportive. Like I know that sounds ridiculous, can be such a wide range of, you know, you got to support them in so many ways, but take them seriously. Like it's really, really, really important that if someone tells you that, that you take them seriously because the first thing that any mum with postnatal depression or any of those feelings needs is somebody to take them seriously seriously brushing over or making them feel, or even just trying to be positive, which good for you. That's awesome that you can do that for your partner and, you know, tell them that they're amazing and all those kinds of things. Just take them seriously. And like, it's all about the subtleties and the gentleness that you take it, you know, like take it all very gently, just hold their hand and just say, it's okay. Okay. I'm going to do this and we can get through it together. Like I'm here for you. Like just jump on your phone and just make a doctor's appointment for them. You know, take it, just take that one thing out of their hands because making a doctor's appointment for yourself is shit. You don't want to do that because you're not going there because you're like, Oh, I've got the flu. Like you're going there for something that if you haven't experienced before, which is your mental health, that you feel like a failure. You feel like you have not, accomplished a lot, you know, you're like, Oh God, I can't even do this right. You know, it's a lot. So for you to, um, do that for your partner and just make an appointment for them, take them to the appointment and then just drop them off. So they can go in because you want to be able to go into that doctor's appointment and just be yourself without anyone else in the room, like that kind of thing too, you know, but that's something that you can do for them. Um, you know, And on top of that, just ask them what they would like to do. What would you like to do about this? Like, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? All those kinds of things. And this actually sounds (laughs) a bit silly, but, you know, um, Ty was struggling. You know, he doesn't know what to do, what to say. And I'm not going to lie, I straight up was not very nice to him. You know, like he would try and say something positive, and supportive. And I would just like bite his head off, you know, basically. And he would just got to a point where he's like, well, I can't say anything because every time I do, you're not nice to me about it. And I can't say anything, right. It's not their fault. Um, but I basically just Googled like what to do when your partner has depression. And it was literally like 10 things that you can do and say, for your partner. And I just sent it to him. It was just a link, you know, just, can you please just read this? And he just read it and it just kind of gave him like a tiny little bit of insight about like what I was going through and what he could do. Um, you just want to be able to understand your partner. So maybe Google, like, what should you do when your partner has postnatal depression? What are the things that you could do? Um, and then that way you might be able to wrap your head around it and realize that you know, it is a mental, it is mental health, but it's also like, you know, hormonal and all those kinds of things as well. So there's a lot of r-
0: amazing information on out there and some really great platforms We've mm. as you know, we've spoken to um, a couple of ladies from Radiance in the Southwest, which yes. is an amazing group. Yes. Um, and they have lots of links to all other um, websites and platforms. If you want to consume more information, yep. so cope and Panda, and we can add all of those links onto the yes. website, but there is plenty of stuff out there um for partners yes. to be able to just get a couple of things in their tool bag to yeah. be able to yeah help out.
1: I um actually went to my first radiance um support group last week. Yes, I yeah. forgot you were doing that. And how did it go? Um it was awesome. It was so awesome. Um it's just it was basically like I think that when you're a mum as well, for all mums who are out there, um, sometimes when you get overwhelmed and emotional and you cry, even if it's with your partner, you feel silly sometimes, you know, you're kind of like, oh, this is awkward and embarrassing and, you know, like you have all these emotions attached to it. Best thing ever is being in a room full of women who are who know exactly what you're going through have been there. And it was like the first time that I cried where I didn't feel stupid. I didn't feel embarrassed. I didn't feel anything like that. I just felt completely comfortable to just have a cry and have a bit of a whinge. And, you know, like basically say, I basically, I went there because I, I, you know, I think it doesn't matter if you've been through postnatal depression with your first or with your second or whatever. My point is, is that I've had another baby. She's nearly 11 months, just like 10 and a half months now. And these, um, feelings come up, you know, every now and then. And, um, I basically realised that, like, you can tell your friend, you can tell your partner about how you're feeling, but they're not going to fix it for you. Um, and, um, they're not going to understand if they haven't been through it. So going to a support group where people have been through it and they've come out the other side, like CJ, who's amazing. Um, I just contacted her and I said, do you mind if I, maybe I come next week? And she was like, Oh my God, I'd love to, you know? Um, and she popped in a few days before radiance, just to see how I was doing. Like what an amazing thing to do for somebody. Cause you know, I just wasn't, I guess you wouldn't, Oh, it's not that I wasn't coping. I think that there's other things that have just come up, you know, in my life that are affecting me now. And I think I'm just getting older and um, going through a bit of grief again and all these other kinds of things that are in your life that you just, life just goes, yo, you got to deal with this now. And you've got two kids and you've got to deal with all this other stuff too. So I just think that um, it's the best place to go. Oh, my gosh, everyone there was so open and so um, just, non-judgmental. There is no judgment at all. It was amazing. And then after we've all had a share or some of us had a bit of a cry or whatever, um, we all did yoga. So guess what? Um, crying, talking and stretching. Oh my gosh. I literally called Ty straight afterwards. He's like, oh my God, you sound like so relieved. You sound amazing. Like, you know, after you've had an appointment with Alex or with, um, he's my osteopath or Miranda, you know, when I've had an appointment with her, he's like, you sound so relieved. You sound so good. Um, and I was like, do I? Oh, amazing. And like, then I realized I've taken, I've taken the cork out of that emotional, I was like so emotionally, like just bottled up that like my throat hurt and like my back was hurting but that little pressure yeah. Yeah, pressure pot and it was the, just holding attention. it and i got about three words out like hi amiga boo <laughs> just bold bold my eyes out i'm like oh god and like you know the tissues and the cuddles and the back pats you know they're just so sweet and so so comforting um it's a release. It was a release. It was amazing. I'm, I was I'm surprised there's not like 40 women in that room to be honest. Like, you know, it's just it was so amazing. Um when you're all mothers and you've all had babies and you're there for a specific reason, and I think that's why Radiance is so good because everyone's there for a specific reason, you know. You can't go for a walk with your girlfriends and just be chit-chatting about, you know, whatever and then just be like, "So, um I I'm, I'm a bit fucked up at the <laughs> moment. Um not doing too well." Sorry to interrupt your conversation about, you know, just, you know, chit chat stuff. Sometimes I just think, oh, I can't do this. I've got to talk to somebody that knows. And that's what Radiance is there for. And I'm going tomorrow. It's bloody oh. awesome. I love it. It's good.
0: Oh. Now, okay. I want to quickly talk about your podcast that you've got coming out. You are yes. creating your yes. own
1: show. Can you yep. tell us a little bit about your vision and your mission with it? Um, So it's called Real Mama because, you know, I, I want to call it Real Talk. But you Google that. It's about 270 plus podcasts called Real Talk. So <laughs> I was like, can't do that. You won't be able to find me. Um, it's called, it's called Real Mama. But basically I just want to have conversations with people about their experiences with their births or how they got pregnant or just being a mum. I'd love to have you over, you know, um, have some bubbles with you, just have a chit-chat about being a mum. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. why not? Have a laugh about it. You know, um have a laugh, talk about the serious stuff too, all that kind of stuff. But I just want it to be a place where people can have like real talk about being a parent and being a partner. Like after before you have kids, it's like you've got each other and like, you know, he's your king, you know, you're his queen, you guys look after each other and all that kind of stuff. And also everything's usually 50-50. And then when you have a kid, it's like they just out to the side, they go and it's just kids, kids, kids. So I want to have, you know, chats with people about, all of that stuff. And I want to normalize it all. I want to normalize the fact that, um, you know, postnatal depression, it's normal to actually go through hormone changes and have all of these thoughts and all those feelings. But what's not normal is having to deal with it by yourself. You know, Um, it'd be really cool to eventually one day have you know, someone come down and sit down with you and your partner in hospital and talk to your partner and you about certain signs in depression um, and what to look out for and what to do about it and what to say and all those kinds of things. Um, And, you know, I feel like when I left hospital with Hinnie all those like five years ago, it was like, here's some pamphlets and a sticker to put on your fridge, parenting helpline, and they're actually awesome. I called them a few times. It was more like, so how many drinks can I have, you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when I'm breastfeeding, but you know, <laughs> just a But um, it's just that, that kind of thing, um, that, you know, I'll kind of want to, I want to broaden and kind of, I want it to be opened up and one day have that, you know, you sit down with someone and they talk to you about it in hospital. So when you go home and stuff, you're not sitting there going, Oh, what's happening to me? I don't know if this is all right. And you know, not coping is okay. I thought that not coping meant that I was failing to be a mum, Like I really did. Um, not coping is fine not not coping is okay and it's, it's just needs to all be normalized. You know, that I feel like over the last few years there has been so many things on so many different subjects in the world that are being normalized and that's awesome, you know, but let's add another one to it. And it's not this, um, you know, horrible thing that we should talk about, you know, in the dark, you know, with our doctors and our therapists, it should be something that we can all speak about because the second that you feel like you're, it's more normalized, the second that you realize that, um, you're not a freak. You're not, you know, you're not down this deep dark hole by yourself and someone's not going to ever pull you out of it. You can pull yourself out of that hole. You know, you can, you can do it, but you just need the help. You just need the right people. And I just, it just all needs to be normalized. And once that happens and we start spreading that out there, hopefully in 10 years, it's just going to be, um, another thing that you're sent home with, but with a lot more information with face-to-face interaction as well. That would be awesome. I'm surprised that it doesn't already happen. That
0: would yeah. be such an amazing change. And I think it just sets families up um, and it, it creates a much better society in the yeah. long term, because like you said, if people, if it's been normalized, people will talk more openly about it and seek help sooner. And then it's easier to to Mm. maybe recover or if you're if you're getting help at the earlier points Mm. it's much easier than if you wait until you're down down down. and no one should no one should go down have to go down to that dark dark
1: dark dark place
0: it's not a nice
1: place even um you know sarah bruce who does sleep by sarah amazing Mm. um hello like imagine if you were in hospital and the postnatal depression person comes and then sarah walks in and she's like hey guys she's amazing at what she does but People just need to know about this. Okay, and so where can people find you and the podcast? What are your socials? So I'm, at the moment, I'm just on Instagram. I've got about four posts, killing it. (laughs) Um, But um, basically all my equipment and stuff has just rocked up in like the last two weeks. Um, so hopefully I'll get all set up and everything, but I'm just on Instagram as real mama and, um, you can DM me or anything, you know, if you've got any questions or anything like that, I will also be putting up some icons on my Instagram page. Um, for Radiance, for, you know, Sleep by Sarah and all those other kinds of things. I would love to put one up for you as well, if you don't oh, mind. Yeah. Just so that people can click on them and find those links where like they can like, I don't know, click on it and learn about Radiance or, you know, um, your interview with Anne was amazing as well. Stuff like that so that um, they can learn, they can not feel alone. They can realise, oh, I've got somewhere to go. I've got some people that can help me, all those kinds of things. So that's where I'm at at the moment. But um, hopefully I will, you know, grow.
0: That, very is, quick, that is quickly. great you, i think you're doing an amazing thing yeah i'm very excited to see where this oh, goes um, and the more places that people can find this sort of help the better so yes. and i'm sure you're going to do very very well thank you for talking with us and being oh, so
1: open about okay. your experience yeah thank um, you so much for having me honestly it's been an honor to be able to come here and share my story so thank you so much for that